Hey, Home Slices, before we get into the episode today, I want to say a special thank you for all of your uh, patience. While I was away, I actually skipped a week of producing Sub Media Reviews episodes because I was celebrating my birthday on top of celebrating the homegoing of a beloved family member. So I just needed a break for a week to kind of get away from things and decided not to publish a new um, episode of Sub Media Reviews last week. So thank you so much for your patience. Um, as I was dealing with, you know, celebrating my own life and celebrating the life of a beloved loved one as well. So thanks again for your support and um, excited to jump back in. Come on, baby. Don't fear the reaper. Baby, take my hand. Don't fear the reaper. We'll be able to fly. Don't fear the reaper. Baby, I'm your man. La, 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 la. La, la, la. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What's up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning into Sub Media Reviews. I'm Kiara, and I am stoked to review the OG 1978 film Halloween on this Halloween day. The movie features Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie, and Tony Morin as the adult Michael Myers. Now, prior to watching Halloween for this movie review, I had never seen it before. Don't really like scary movies, so I never really was into it. But fortunately, I got to watch it with my family in Atlanta, and my dad is here today to review it with me. Say hi, Dad. Hello, Home Slices. So the last time he was here, we reviewed Friday the 13th. And on that episode, I learned that Halloween was actually like his second favorite movie. So he's back. And we're here talking about the movie that introduced us to the Michael Myers. And as always, here are a few fun facts about the movie. John Carpenter considered the hiring of Jamie Lee Curtis as the ultimate tribute to Sir Alfred Hitchcock, who had given her mother, Janet Lee, legendary status in Psycho from 1960. And for the same reason, Dr. Sam Loomis was named after Sam Loomis from Psycho. During the same period, Universal Studio producers and director Richard Franklin were trying to enroll Jamie Lee in the new production of Psycho 2, which was supposed to come out in 1983. I did not know that Jamie Lee Curtis's mom was an actress, let alone a main character, Marion Crane in Psycho. Halloween was Jamie Lee Curtis's first feature film, and she was paid a reported $8,000 for her efforts. Did you know that was her mom? Yeah, and I think her father is a famous actor. Your father, Car- I'm blanking on his first name. His last name is Curtis. He was in uh, plenty of movies. Uh, oh, I'm blanking so bad. He was in The Defiant Ones. He was in, I want to say, Some Like It Hot. 
Tony Curtis? Tony Curtis, yes. And he was more famous than she was. I'm pretty sure that was her father. Uh, American actor whose career spanned six decades. He acted in more than 100 films. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's her father. Yeah, looks like it. No. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She comes from good stock, as they like to say. Okay. (laughs) Well, I had, yeah. Didn't know anything about that at yeah. all. That was a surprise to me. <laughs> what do you think about her getting paid $8,000? <laughs> yeah, I read a, you know, research on this before and it it was low budget all the way around. Very low budget. Mm-hmm. I think so. the budget was $300,000. Yeah. And it made, I think, $47 million, if I'm remembering correctly. So a big return mm-hmm. on that investment. The next fun fact is that John Carpenter approached Peter Cushing and Sir Christopher Lee to play the role of Dr. Sam Loomis that was eventually played by Donald Pleasance, but both turned him down due to the low pay. Lee later said it was the biggest mistake he had ever made in his career. So wow. Christopher Lee, he's... Classic. He's been Dracula and everything. Uh-oh. Yeah. Nice. And the final fun fact is John Carpenter composed the score in four days. So. Yeah. That's Talented. pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to check out Halloween, you can watch it on Fubo or Plex as of the recording of this episode. Unfortunately, those streaming services have ads, which may ruin the experience for you. So you can rent it ad-free on streaming sites like Amazon Prime and YouTube. Now, this is a point where we start to discuss our personal connections to the film. I, again, don't have one. It came out way before I was born, don't really like scary movies, and I just wasn't interested. But I can acknowledge that it's a part of pop culture and that the movie franchise is popular and iconic, but I really don't have much connecting me to it. The music is really popular and the costume is super popular as well, especially during the Halloween season. Yeah, my connection is... Probably the first full-fledged horror movie I went to in a theater. You were nine, eight? Yeah. Jeez. So it was Thanksgiving, (laughs) and we went to my cousin's house, in quotations, their cousins, but they're really good friends of the family, and I guess they wanted to get rid of the kids, send them to the movies, and and there was older cousins there that took us, and yes, I did have nightmares that night, (laughs) and had to go sleep with my mom. (laughs) Who's not happy. (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, it stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And for good reason, because it's one of your originated the slasher movie, you could say. Mm -hmm. There was some before this, but this one was probably the first one to be well done. Okay. Nice. Well, why is it your second favorite movie? Because of what I just said. It just hit me at the right time as a kid and scared me. And and you're eight or nine. Halloween is fun. But now Halloween can be really scary. And then you can... So it probably started my whole love of horror movies and and all that when I was a kid. It really stuck with me. And no other horror movie really grabbed onto me like this one did. But it could have been the time and the age and the circumstances. But I think everybody has a movie that sticks with them. Depends on when they saw it and who it was with and mm-hmm. what time of year it was and all that. But it's one of my favorites. Nice. Well, I'm excited for us to share our perspectives on this movie. So let's get into it. So the movie starts and we hear the iconic trap music. (laughs) I feel like a lot of rappers or hip hop artists have kind of taken the musical score 
and used it in some of their beats. It's very iconic, very kind of chilling, spine tingling a yes. little bit. The movie, of course, was was John Carpenter the director? He was director and, and producer the, uh, and the music. Right. Okay. So we see the credits roll with a poorly carved, glowing <laughs> jack o' lantern, mm, mm. and then the candle starts off. You know, trying to set a spooky mood, and we're in Haddonfield, Illinois, on Halloween night in 1963. And so we see this kind of nice two-story white house. The camera angle is from the point of view of a person from outside of the house spying on a couple of like horny teenagers. Of course, they're going to be in this movie. They're in all the movies. (laughs) But um, yeah, the POV is obviously Mike Myers Mm -hmm. or Michael Myers. Okay, so the horny teens, they talk. And it wasn't until later when I was doing research that I actually realize who it really was. I thought that the girl was supposed to be his babysitter. No. But the young lady is actually Judith Myers, who is his older sister, right. who's supposed to be watching him right. on Halloween night. Right. But instead, she is making out with the young man on the couch. And they go upstairs. And then from, again, Michael's point of view, we see him enter the house. He opens the back door and grabs a kitchen knife. Huge kitchen knife. <laughs> so big. But... It was at this point where when we start to see his hands in the POV that we see he's a child mm-hmm. in like a costume. I wasn't expecting him to be a child mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And as he is entering the living room, the male teenager leaves the house and they have a conversation of like, hey, will you call me in the morning? He's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> uh, yeah it appears that, you know, this guy or the girl doesn't mean much to the guy, but mm-hmm. he leaves the house and little Mike goes upstairs and he picks up a mask that was on the floor and the camera angle turns to like little eye holes, right. which I thought was interesting. Well, the mask was downstairs. You didn't, when they were on the couch messing around, he put it on and did a little scary face at her. And oh, okay. so I think he chased her up the stairs wearing it or something okay. like that. So that's how it ended up on, on the, the floor. floor. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And so we see the point of view through the little eye holes in mm. the mask and his sister who is topless is, you know, preening herself, you know, combing her hair in the mirror. And she notices him and he has a knife in his hand and he stabs her multiple times. The stabbing was silly. Like the the way that she got stabbed was pretty silly, but he stabs her multiple times. There's blood everywhere. And little Michael goes outside right as his parents are pulling up and they find him in a mask in like a clown costume with Mm -hmm. a bloody knife. And Mike is just six years old. So we have childhood killer yes michael uh, his coming out party I guess basically you could say. yes not knowing that this was his sister threw me for a loop <laughs> like, <laughs> i assumed it was a babysitter but i didn't yeah. hear her and the yeah. guy say like where's your little brother yeah she so. said something about he's running i don't know if you said that but she's oh he's running around here somewhere yeah yeah and then there's the as in late 70s and 80s movies the gratuitous nudity they, they, uh, yes they, mm-hmm. that's a theme yeah that's a theme and it's if we're going back to our usual tropes of you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. Right. Yes. So the movie fast forwards to October 30th, 1978, which is 15 years later in a town called Smith's Grove, Illinois. We see two people driving to an Illinois state hospital. There's a Dr. Sam Loomis, who we see throughout the movie. And then there's also a nurse. And the nurse is obviously nervous. She's driving and we find out more about what's happened to Michael over the past 15 years. He hasn't said a word in those 15 Mm -hmm. years. And it looks like that they are there to take him to court. 
for yes. a sentencing or something like that. And so the nurse is there to sedate him so they can, right. you know. And she appears to be unfamiliar with all aspects of the case. Yes. And he, so he's explaining to her. Now on the actor, Donald Pleasance, who plays mm-hmm. Dr. Loomis. I've always wondered. I know he's either British or Australian. I've seen him in hmm. British and Australian movies with the accent. And I'm not sure if he's pretty sure he's British, though. But he's like classic trained actor. And he's, you know, been on on that Broadway, whatever the British version of the, their plays. And okay. he, I know he came from that era of being on stage productions in Britain. And uh, so I'm pretty sure he's Britain, but he's well, very accomplished. And, and I've never heard. <laughs> now, nah, he's a go-to for Carpenter, John Carpenter. Okay. He's been in John Carpenter movies. So he uses him more than once, I believe. I believe he does two more movies with him. Right. From my research. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen him before. Or mm-hmm. maybe I have and just didn't really recognize him. Mm-hmm. But they pull up to the hospital and they see patients in their gowns just kind of roaming around outside. Yeah. It's an awful storm, as always. It's <laughs> raining really hard. Mm-hmm. And of course, they know something is up because these psych patients are, it's dark, it's late, and they're just roaming around like the yard. And so they go up to the main gate and Dr. Loomis gets out to check in at the front gate. But then a man, presumably Michael, climbs on top of the car and scares the female driver by like grabbing her face. Mm-hmm. She lets off the brakes and she almost crashes. But then she gets out of the car and Michael gets in and drives away despite being in a mental institution <laughs> from childhood. <laughs> right. We paused the movie at this point and I was like, how does this man know how to drive? I don't know. It was crazy. At this point, he's 21. Mm-hmm. But he's been in a mental institution for all his life. Mm-hmm. Hasn't said a word. How does he know how to drive? I don't know. This is an unexplained <laughs> unexplained thing but then he does there is a funny comment later remember yes, he says that yes. he goes they do break it up later but it's not an explanation it's right, just not like a, yeah. just he, like he was hey. doing very well yes like oh we know this is a loose end now, but, you know now here when he jumps up on top of the car John Carpenter I don't know if he invented this or it's like the, he might have invented the jump scare but he's got music to go with it mm-hmm. and the part where he jumps on the top of the car from the back and it's the sound that comes gets me every time I mean, I, it's just it's just so it was not even creepy but it was it's startling and it uh it takes it uh as where the movie starts really getting creepy like this guy is you know he's gonna be a problem yeah yeah because dr loomis says like the man who was in that car is like evil evil right. has just left here mm-hmm. so Dr. Loomis is going to be the person that we see throughout the movie who is the only one that seems to really understand what he's capable of. And, and he talks more about that later. And there's that's another trope of the movie. There's always one person that's trying to tell everybody there's a, there's trouble afoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably 13th, it was Crazy Ralph. Yes. Even though he was, I don't know what he knew, but he, he still told you. Yeah. Going yeah. <laughs> so that happens in a lot of the slasher flicks. Yeah. Okay, so next we're back in Haddonfield. We Mm -hmm. see a young Jamie Lee Curtis leave a house and a man who is her dad, a realtor, instructs her to drop off a key to one of the houses that he's selling and leave it under the mat for a showing. And the house that the key is for is actually the Myers house. I I, I always noticed that She's even when I was sort of said, she's an old <laughs> she actually was the only of the young women who were in the movie that were around that age was yeah. actually the only one that was still a teenager so okay. she was the youngest of all the women oh okay mm-hmm. we seemed older looking yeah but still she aged well from then on too yeah. like she looked young yeah she also had the same voice which was like 
very weird. The same voice as as she has as, as an older oh, yeah, adult. Yeah, yeah, yes, and yes. To hear that voice come out of a young like yes. high school student was yeah. really weird. Yeah, yeah. But a little boy approaches Lori as she's on her way to drop off the key. His name is Tommy. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it's one of the kids that she babysits. And he asks her if she's still coming over tonight. He's very curious. He asks a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And then he's with her as she's putting the key under the mat at the Myers house. Mm -hmm. Because her dad, again, is trying to sell it. It's really run down, super abandoned. Mm -hmm. It's one of those houses that, like, the kids don't go to. Because, you know, the crazy things that happen there. And I'm sure the legend has evolved over those 15 years from... You know, everybody's had a spooky house in their neighborhood. Yes. So as she's leaving the key, we actually see the shadow of Michael from inside the house. So he's there breathing heavily as she walks away. Mm -hmm. That becomes a a big part of the suspense suspense and the story is the heavy breathing, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny. When I was growing up, I watched Hey Arnold. Dad, I don't know how familiar you are with Hey Arnold. Mm -hmm. But there was a creepy kid who really liked Helga Pataki and she would be confessing her love like in secret for Arnold Mm -hmm. and he would pop up behind her breathing heavily. (laughs) I wonder if that's a, I don't remember that from the cartoon. I wonder if that's a little, that'd be a little creepy if that was a reference. It is. Yeah. I don't know if it is a reference, but when he was doing the heavy breathing, that's what my mind went to. I think, and also the heavy breathing has something to do with the mask. Yes, of course. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking, you know, so. Yeah. So. We flip the scene to Dr. Loomis, who is at the mental institution yelling at somebody about, like, how did you yeah, let him get yeah. away? You all don't know how dangerous he is. And then <laughs> the guy from the hospital is like, well, he can't drive. And Dr. Loomis is like, well, he managed. Like, he was doing okay. Yeah. I thought it was funny that they did this weird kind of reference to a question that I had about how he was so good at driving, considering his history, but it still didn't explain like why. So it was one of those things where like, we know it's a loophole and Mm -hmm. we just, we don't have any way Mm -hmm. (laughs) to really get around it. A little self-referential, I guess. It may not be the right word I'm thinking of, but it is kind of funny. We flip the scene to Lori. She's in class and a scary mask Mike is watching her from across the street from behind Mm -hmm. the station wagon that he stole. And so this Mm -hmm. station wagon is state property and they Mm -hmm. were going to use it to transport him to his court date. Right. So one he's, yes. Yes. So he's using the vehicle to get around. She sees him multiple times, but then he eventually kind of disappears and she, you know, moves on. And we got to see what, when he stole the car, he had on a white hospital gown. Right. Now he has on some overalls yes dark blue dark blue or gray or something like that yeah like dark blue overalls now with the mask as Mm -hmm. well of course so later on we see some kids teasing little tommy about the boogeyman getting him he's carrying this large carving pumpkin and Mm -hmm. there's like three other little bully children who are bothering him something at school that day yeah yeah taking it home and so they tease him about the boogeyman. They actually make him fall and drop his carving pumpkin. That's it, a, a little sad there. And, it, and it, just, just drop it, drop and it mushed. Yes. <laughs> it busted. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So the kids scram and one of them actually bumps into Michael. Mm-hmm. And Michael is basically kind of stalking and following Tommy at mm-hmm. this point. Major creep. <laughs> so I'm, what I didn't pick up so much later is that he picks up who he's going to, you know, I don't know, stalk? But then they're just showing up at the house, so he's got good stalking skills. I guess. Yeah, so that's one other thing that Mm -hmm. they don't do very well in the story to me Mm -hmm. is really understanding his motivations. Mm -hmm. 
Like, we see that he killed his sister when mm. she was supposed to be watching him or whatever. Mm. And then he sees a young lady come by the house with the young boy that she is babysitting mm. for. And it's like, is this what triggers him? I mean, mm. like, I guess obviously. Right. But some of his motivations are not super clear. Yeah, and that's some of the sequels. They try to embellish on what she might be his sister. But separated and adopted. And that's one of the other little, mm. a couple of the, the sequels okay. kind of, you know, grab a storyline from. Okay. And I, I believe that's probably why people say, why is he after her? And I guess that could make sense, but they don't really allude to it in the first couple of. I mean, the dad, her dad was. The realtor. Right. But it could have been, okay. they said, I think something about adoption okay. and something okay. that family had an issue or something, maybe a half sister. Okay. But those sequels were so horrible. Okay. I never really, <laughs> I can't remember. I've seen them, but um, they didn't stick with me. Yeah. That's a little bit of a, a stretch. Yeah. And I wondered about the elementary school. Was that the school that he went to? Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah. They're in the if same they wanted, neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Now, the mask. The mask is probably, a like you said, in pop culture, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know what mask that's based on? Mm-mm. It's a Captain Kirk, William Shatner mask. Is that right? Yes, it is. And they did something to it. They distressed it and they painted it and dyed the hair. No, well, the hair is. I was reading something about. I'm, the mask. I don't know if the hair came was the hair with the mask or was that Michael Miles' hair or the way they did it. But it originated as a William Shatner Captain Kirk mask, and they redid it. And they, I read that and they painted it and. Did some other movie magic to it and to give it that look. And that's, I've always thought that'd be interesting to be that's an actual person that you wouldn't recognize just by looking at it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So apparently the production designer, because of how low budget the mm-hmm. film was, had to do whatever he had to do to create the mask. Mm-hmm. So apparently there were two versions. The first one was a Don Post Emmett Kelly smiling clown mask mm-hmm. that they put frizzy red hair on. But when they tested it out, it appeared very demented and creepy. The other mask was a 1975 Captain James T. Kirk mask that was purchased in a costume shop for $198. <laughs> it had the eyebrows and sideburns ripped off. Right. The face was painted bluish white. The hair was spray painted brown and the eyes were opened up more. And after testing out the mask, the crew decided that it was much more creepy because it was emotionless. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he follows little Tommy. And he's still using that government-issued vehicle. And we see Dr. Loomis stop at a payphone mm-hmm. to call the police in Haddonfield to warn them about Michael. Mm-hmm. They obviously don't believe him. Mm-hmm. But while he's at the payphone, Dr. Loomis finds a truck empty that has the same matchbook that they showed earlier in the nurses when the nurse was driving the station wagon. The truck belonged to a mechanic that Mike killed to steal his jumpsuit. Right. And Dr. Loomis doesn't see, but we see that the mechanic has been killed. And he's on like the a, side off of the in the bushes yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that explains why the change of costume. <laughs> so, yeah, next up we see Laurie walking home with her two friends. One of them's name is Linda. Mm-hmm. I believe she's played by someone named PJ Souls. And then we have Annie, who I'm not sure who played Annie. Yeah, PJ Souls went on to be have a lot of bit parts and the goopy girl character and a lot of little a couple of the slasher picks, a couple of the funny movies and she was in stripes. She had a little career for I would say from a little before this until mid eighties. Mm. She was she got some work. Nice. Well the person who played Annie, 
Her name is Nancy Kyes. So these are her two friends from mm. high school. And one is smoking. Mm. One of them appears to be promiscuous. So we have these, really? you know, immoral teenagers again. Yeah, there we go. And while they're talking, Michael Myers drives by. And when Annie, the kind of fiery mm. friend, taunts him, he comes to an abrupt stop which freaks them out a little mm. bit, as it should. But then he moves on. Mm. That part to me was like a little scary. I was mm. like, is he going to get out? Mm. But they discuss their plans for the night. And then we see Michael again just in the bushes, <laughs> <laughs> just skulking. And when Laurie points it out, Annie goes and looks, and there's nobody there, mm. obviously. His stalking skills are off the charts. Um, yeah. Yes. But her friend thinks she's kind of hallucinating. And we find out that Laurie is kind of like a loser a little bit. Like, right. she doesn't have a lot of male interest. She believes it's because guys think that she's too smart. smart. Yeah. And eventually, both Linda and Annie leave, and mm. she walks Home, continues to walk home alone right, right. and of course she's freaked out because she's seen michael like two or three times now right. and she actually bumps into a man who is the sheriff right. who is annie's father and he freaks her out because he surprises her she right. you know obviously yeah. thinks somebody's stalking her and this is the part where when i saw it later with friends we well even though we knew at some point i don't know if it was probably that we thought the sheriff was the killer hmm. like but it doesn't make sense now. It does. But the way he would pop up, like right then after she saw him. And okay. later on, he has little parts where he's here and there and mm-hmm. it's kind of convenient. But it doesn't make sense. He's Michael Myers. I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> I feel like the part of, we haven't reached the part where it makes the least sense yet. Maybe I'll, I'll yeah. bring it up if I remember. Okay. So yeah, she bumps into him. Again, he's the sheriff and he's also Annie's father. But Laurie eventually makes it home and she hears giggling. So we see kids are ready to go out for Halloween. It's after school. Mm-hmm. It's still very bright outside. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's the most safe time for the kids to be out, mm-hmm. you know, trick-or-treating. But Laurie goes to her bedroom on the second floor of her home and she sees Michael in her yard from mm-hmm. her bedroom window by the clothesline. Right. Very creepy and freaky. And then her phone rings, of course, which is startling as well. And so Mike kind of disappears or whatever. And then when she answers the phone, there's nobody on the other line. Mm -hmm. So she hangs up. Of course, that's freaky. But they call back and it was Annie, the tough friend. And so Annie comes to get her at 630. And hold on. We can't also with a phone call. She goes, oh, yeah, I was chewing or something. Mm -hmm. And they, they make a little point of it. And that comes into play later. It does. <laughs> so, yeah, Annie was chewing during the first call. And that's mm. why, you know, Laurie didn't really hear anything. But Annie tells her, I'm going to come pick you up at 630. Mm-hmm. They are going to be babysitting children who basically live across the street from each right. other. So Annie is mm. going to be Laurie's ride. So they're giving you a little, you know, logistics on what would make sense for the, the rest of the evening. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to point out is that Laurie's bed was super small and childish. <laughs> <laughs> it was really small and there's a point where she's just laying on the bed and like she's kind of hanging mm. off of it like her leg is hanging off mm. of it a little bit and i was like she cannot fit in this bed <laughs> she really cannot but it was crazy and so laurie goes outside she waits for annie with a large carving pumpkin mm. and annie picks her up so they can head over to their babysitting jobs but then we flip over to dr loomis who finds a grave caretaker or a graveyard caretaker, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm assuming, yeah. to show him where Mike's sister was buried. Now, at the time, because I didn't realize Judith, the girl he murdered at the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie, was his sister, I assumed it was his mom. Oh, and he thought he would 
I never understood why he goes see the grave anyway, but there's a point to it. But I guess they thought maybe he'd be there. I don't know. Maybe. He I didn't think have he's a cops with him or nothing. He was just going to go. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he's apparently not afraid. <laughs> yeah. So he shows up to the grave along with this caretaker who's a little chatty. Mm-hmm. But we see that the tombstone from Mike's sister, Judith, has been removed. Mm-hmm. And so they make a reference to this being the night he came home, which is the tagline. The tagline for the yes, the night he came home. Yeah. So we flip back to Annie and Laurie. They are smoking a joint. Again, immoral teenagers. Yeah, they're riding in the car. And Michael Myers is following them in the station wagon. Now, that car is its Monte Carlo. and It was a red, dark red car mm-hmm. with red interior. <laughs> wow. That was the 70s. was a wild time. I, was, I just couldn't get over it. And now there's a song. I really didn't notice till now. It's a song called Don't Fear the Reaper playing on the radio. Oh, okay. It's by Blue Oyster Call, by the way. So that's a little foreshadowing. And I was like, okay, okay. That's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so they're in the car, and Annie actually sees her dad at the scene of her crime while they're driving. And so they, smoking. Yes, mm-hmm. so they have to put out the joint mm-hmm. real fast, mm-hmm. you know, try to figure that out. And I'm trying to figure out why they stopped. I think it was because Maybe the saw dad them. would recognize the car, or she was just being nosy, or like, I don't know. she could have just drove past him. Yeah, right, and, and kept yeah. waving and said, hey, and keep right. it, yeah. Because she but. had a job to do, yeah. <laughs> but she does stop. And Annie is like, hey, what's going on here, you know, mm-hmm. at this little crime scene? And so it turns out that there was a break-in at the hardware store. Yes. Someone stole a rope, some knives, and a mask. Right. So, so now we know that he's been pretty busy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Loomis, right at that time, shows up to talk to the sheriff about, like, okay. Michael Myers is in town. Yeah. yeah. And oh, so, this is the point where I was saying that it doesn't make sense that the sheriff yeah. was also Mike because Mike was driving in right, the station yeah. wagon behind him. And we were kids. <laughs> but when they were in the car and they were talking about girl stuff and you really get the impression that she is the good girl of the group. They mm-hmm. really reiterate and who she might like and she doesn't want to say anything. And she says, oh, you're, you and so-and-so are always about the boys and mm-hmm. the sex and all that. You know, she. so they really make it a point to know she is the good girl. Right. That uh, doesn't mean Michael Myers won't target you. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, yeah. So, as Annie and Laurie are driving away. Oh, wait, no. Okay, wait. Mm-hmm. Dr. Loomis, when he shows up to talk mm-hmm. to the sheriff, Michael Myers drives right behind him. Right, I mean, it's a little, it's a little like, comical. Yes, yes it, yeah. And he, he turns this way, and the car goes that way, and yeah. he turns back, and it's gone. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty funny. And, and yeah, that was funny. And so, as Annie and Laurie are driving away, heading to their babysitting jobs, Laurie, of course, is worried. The sheriff knew, of course, he could smell it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell that she's, you know, kind of a worry warrant and really mm-hmm. into school, mm-hmm. a nerd, a good girl, like he said. So... They're just showing that she's virtuous and not like the other girls. And so Michael is still following them with impeccable driving skills. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to like be a good driver. He's Four. staying far enough behind them to not yeah. be seen. Yeah. He stops when they, you know, stop yeah. to talk to the sheriff. Yeah. It doesn't make sense how good of a driver <laughs> he is. But they pull up to the boy's house. Lori goes in so she can babysit Tommy. Mm-hmm. And Annie goes to another house, which is kind of cat corner across the street to babysit a different child who's name is Lindsay. Mm -hmm. And so Michael, interestingly enough, kind of stalks Annie first Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on Lori. Mm -hmm. I think this is because she yelled at him. Yeah. (laughs) If we we want a reason. Yeah. yeah. But he saw them together Mm -hmm. in the car. So I don't know what made him go for either one first, but. Yeah. 
I thought that was interesting. But I mean, of course, it makes the movie last longer. But mm-hmm. so the sheriff and Dr. Loomis stop by the Myers house. They go in it, mm-hmm. just walk in. Local legend says it's haunted, mm-hmm. but they go inside and they find, they don't show it, but they find some type of warm animal, a skunk or a dog. Dead, yeah. That's dead that Michael ate for his yeah. sustenance. Yeah. That's a little weird. Yeah. Again, it's like another movie that has a, a depiction of what we would probably consider mental illness, yeah. but in like a weird way that's probably not accurate. <laughs> I think it's the case, you know, they hint at this being a little supernatural. And as we go on, it's certain things that kind of lead to that too, but they never really solidify what it is. But I think it they leave a lot of up to interpretation. What yeah. do you think he really is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was like a little weird, but they go upstairs to the actual room where Michael killed his sister Judith and suddenly a window breaks. So that might have scared me. Yeah, something fell down like a gutter. It was a gutter, yeah, yeah, that fell and hit the window. But the doctor talks more about his history with Mm -hmm. Michael and how he met Michael when he was six and Mm -hmm. he had the devil's eyes and he basically spent like the first half of the 15 years trying to reach him Mm -hmm. and then the the second half of the 15 years trying to make sure that he never got out. (laughs) Fantastic monologue. I love yes. it. Yeah. yeah. And so Dr. Loomis decides that he's going to wait for Michael. Mm. It's like, it's really interesting that you view him as dangerous, but you're not afraid. He comes across right. as not being afraid of Michael. Right. Which is a little weird. Mm-hmm. But he tells the police that they need to keep their eyes open, but their mouths shut. So very interesting that they don't want to do like an APB. Right. And he's like, oh, well, if they hear that we're looking for this person, they'll see him everywhere. Right. The town will be, because they know the history of it and it's always been local lore mm-hmm. that, you know, he'll come back or something maybe. Yeah. But I'm sure there was APB with the police, but the police, I don't think they put it out like on local TV or radio. Right. And for people to worry and, and then, so that might've helped them, but oh well. Yeah. But the sheriff says, okay, you stay here. I'll come back in an hour. So we flip over to Lori, who is babysitting Tommy. Annie calls her from the house that she's babysitting at. And the family dog starts to go crazy Mm -hmm. as a masked Michael Myers stands outside the house. (laughs) It was a large dog, German Shepherd, maybe? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And so Annie is babysitting a little girl named Lindsay. And so Annie calls Lori to say that she set her up with a boy named Ben Trainer or Tramer or something Mm -hmm. like that. Because... Laurie can't ever get a date, obviously. Um, But Tommy looks outside, just looks out of the window of his house, and he sees who he calls the boogeyman, Mm -hmm. who is staring into Lindsay's house or little Lindsay's house. Yeah. And by the time he gets Laurie's attention to like come to the window and see the boogeyman, he's gone, Mm -hmm. which happens all the time in this movie. (laughs) But I'm curious if he had got to her in time, what? If anything would have happened. Right. Yeah. So it's another trope. They, I believe they started the near misses or mm-hmm. the almost Scots. Yeah. 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 But at this time, Michael Myers is staring intently at Annie when she drops something on herself. Butter. Yeah. Um, butter. She's, she's making, do, pop, yeah, make making pop, popcorn. Yeah. Making popcorn. So she drops some butter on herself and she has to basically get naked at that very moment. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> it was. And puts on, I'm assuming, Lindsay's dad's shirt that's hanging up in the kitchen. Yeah, long sleeve yeah. like dress shirt. Yeah, and Michael Myers gets really mad when she takes her clothes off, and he breaks something. He breaks like a, a planter that's mm. on the patio, mm. and so Annie hears it but doesn't really pay much attention. Mm-hmm. 
that was like a weird scene. He just yeah. hates nakedness. I don't. <laughs> I didn't know if it was an accident or not, but maybe it just made him thought of his sister being naked. And once again, bad people are going to get bad things happen. To yeah, them. I guess. I guess. But the dog though mm-hmm. knows what's up, and he goes outside. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people are just kind of leaving their doors open. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's a late 70s thing. Small town. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. I don't think it's too big of a thing. Yeah. But the dog gets out of the house mm-hmm. and approaches Michael mm-hmm. and starts barking. And, of course, he's a stranger in their yard. Mm-hmm. And Michael kills the dog by mm-hmm. strangling it. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence to show that an actual animal was harmed in, <laughs> right, the, right. in the making of this film, unlike mm-hmm. Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Laurie and Tommy are watching The Thing. Mm-hmm. And Tommy is worried about the boogeyman because of what the bullies right. told him. Now, The Thing is a little foreshadowing. It couldn't have been on purpose. So The Thing is an old 50s movie about yes. an alien. So there was a... Was he the one that could copy people? That was the remake. The original okay. was just a monster they okay. find in the ice. The remake that John Carpenter does oh. is the one that copies people. And okay. that's one of my favorite movies, too. Okay. <laughs> so it was kind of funny that this foreshadowing... And it was a few years, many later. Maybe like four years later. So I don't know if he was thinking about doing it. But they throw it on there and say, oh, that's kind of neat little Easter egg there, I guess. Nice. Yeah. So Laurie promises not to let anything hurt Tommy because mm-hmm. of course he's scared mm-hmm. and so Annie walks to the laundry shed mm-hmm. at little Lindsay's house and the light doesn't work but then of weird course. stuff happens <laughs> yes some weird stuff starts happening where like the door starts closing and opening mm-hmm. yeah. we see Michael Myers behind her through mm-hmm. the door mm-hmm. she pours way too much detergent <laughs> <laughs> way too much powdered detergent into the washer, the washer even yeah. though she's putting like two articles of clothing mm-hmm. in there and then she ends up getting locked inside the laundry room mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm thinking, hey, she's about to die in this laundry room. Right. And someone calls the house for yeah. Annie. It's a guy named Paul, someone Annie was seeing. And Lindsay, the little girl, picks up the phone. Mm-hmm. And she knew that she was headed to the little laundry shack or whatever. So, Lindsay goes to the laundry room to find Annie because she has a phone call. And Annie is <laughs> stuck inside. And she finds Annie stuck in a window trying to, to get escape. Out. Right, yeah, right. trying to get out. Of course, I'm thinking she's dead. Mm-hmm. You know. You thought the little girl was going to find her dead. Yes. Ah, yes. Okay. I feel like that's obvious. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I don't remember what I thought originally. I couldn't tell you. But that tracks. It makes sense. Yeah. Or, you know, once she got out the window, when she was kind of mm-hmm. indisposed or whatever, that he was going to mm-hmm. do something to her while she was hanging out the window. Oh, right. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but Lindsay kind of helps rescue her and they go back into the house so she can answer the call from Paul. And so mm-hmm. Paul and Annie trying to make sexy arrangements or whatever. Mm. And so Annie, at the end of the day, well, first off, she tried to take Lindsay with her to go get Paul, mm-hmm. which is like, girl, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> what and, is Lindsay supposed and, to do? And this is what I thought about. I said, well, this is a bad babysitter. She is. Right. But then you got, on the other end, you got a great babysitter in right. Lori mm-hmm. that's she's doing all that stuff with the kid. So this is, once again. The contrast. Right. And yeah. who's going to pay for it? Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, she is a pretty bad babysitter. She was mm-hmm. like really mean about the dog barking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she, <laughs> yeah. she was just kind of really over it. Mm-hmm. But Annie decides to send Lindsay over to little Tommy's house mm-hmm. so that she can have some alone time with mm-hmm. Paul. And you hear this little thing. I guess she has a little crush on Tommy. You yes. Know, you know, yes, yeah. I did. She goes, well, why would you like to go over to Tommy? She says his last name. Mm-hmm. 
your house and she lit up. Yeah. yeah. yeah so it was cute. <laughs> yeah. So she sends her over there or she takes her over there. And as they make their way across the street, Jason pops up from behind mm-hmm. a car. Right. But they don't see him. <laughs> they don't see him. We see, see him. him. I thought it was funny. It was like one of those funny mm-hmm. jump scares. Like mm-hmm. kind yeah. of pop goes the weasel situation. And it had that music that he does. A lot of synthesizers. Yes. Yes. So now Laurie is watching two children. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember at what point I started to get annoyed by how often Mike <laughs> was showing up. <laughs> I think it, it was before that. I think it was in the backyard. You were like... Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So here's the problem. The music is great, right? Mm -hmm. The problem I have with the music is that it overly foreshadows Mm -hmm. because the music always comes a few seconds before we actually see Mike. Mm -hmm. And instead of being surprised by Mike, Mm -hmm. the music is letting us know that he's nearby. So that kind of ruined a little bit of the surprise for me But when they do it at the same time, when he jumped up behind the car and when he escapes and then when he comes up behind the car just now... Mm -hmm. That's perfect for me. It's the, the, and it immediately happens. But the music, that's the one thing that gives away a lot of stuff in movies. I mean, yeah. And it's not just horror movies. Yeah. Show TV shows or in general, it could be action or something's about to happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now Laura's watching two kids. Mm-hmm. So she's a great babysitter. <laughs> it's like, oh, is you, am I getting a portion of your babysitting? Mm-hmm, right. You know, yeah. check. So, and it, now she's doing all this. And you can't tell if she has pants on. <laughs> we never see her put pants on. Huh. And she has the white shirt. Yes. And we knew she took her pants off. Uh-huh. To put them in the laundry. But we never see her put... And it's just the way it's filmed. I'm like, is she walking around in panties this whole time? <laughs> I said, can't be. Oh, I'm, for whatever reason, I feel like she might have put something else on when she was getting Lindsay ready. Yeah. If she did, I just... And there's another point where we see her and I'll, you just can't tell. I'm like, mm-hmm. it can't be. But yeah. you got to remember, I was nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> nine, ten years old. I'm like, it's a girl with no pants. <laughs> well, yeah. Annie has to grab the keys to her car so she can sneak away with Paul. So she kind of zhuzhes up her hair in the mirror. Mm-hmm. She hops in the car. Now, wait, wait. You got to take it back. They're building it. They did the thing again where you think she's going to die. Yes. She goes to the garage. Right. And the car's locked. And she's singing a song. that I never. I don't know if she made the song up. I don't know if it's a real song about Paul. And then the, she goes, I don't uh, no keys. And she goes back to get the keys. Mm-hmm. And it's real purposeful. Like, yeah. okay, you think she's in the garage? No, well, maybe he's going to be back in the house. Right. So she gets the keys and then she goes back to the garage again. And when she gets in the car, this is the part that was weird to me. There was something on the window. Yes, because it was like glazed over a right. little bit, almost and, like it needed to be defrosted, right. but it wasn't on the inside. So I was a couple of things. Well, remember, the door was locked first and now it was unlocked and she didn't find that at That's all suspicious. remarkable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so maybe him breathing so hard in the car behind <laughs> the windows. <laughs> I don't know. But she goes like that and it doesn't come off and mm-hmm. and she's a little puzzled. And yeah. then. <laughs> yes. And then Michael is in the back seat and he chokes her. And we hear him breathing hard while he's choking her. She's struggling, obviously. What's interesting is that he also stabs her. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's they do it in a way where it's not, not even clear. It's not sure, yeah. Yes, that yeah. he stabs her. Yeah. Because typically when a choking scene happens or when someone is being mm. suffocated, their movements become, mm. you know, less strong. Yeah. She was struggling like mm. a lot the whole time, like right. full strength the whole right. time. So I don't know if that's why he stabbed her, right. you know, but he does yeah. stab her. And her dead body kind of falls on the horn. Right. Which, I don't know why that's funny to me. It's like in a lot of movies when someone gets killed yeah, in the car yeah. and then yeah. they lay on the horn. Yeah. And it's like, you, why mm-hmm. would you let them draw attention to 
<laughs> to this yeah. space or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, Annie is dead and Tommy is hiding over at the other house. He's hiding. He's trying to scare little Lindsay mm-hmm. and he calls to her from behind the curtain like, Lindsay. Boogie you Man's going to get you. Yes. <laughs> but then while he's hiding behind the little curtain, he looks out the window and he sees Michael carrying Annie's dead body into the house mm. across the street. That's creepy. It was very creepy, yes. <laughs> but when he tells Laurie, you know, Laurie doesn't see anything mm. and she doesn't believe Tommy and she basically threatens him with an early bedtime. She's mm. kind of over the boogeyman mm. talk and doesn't believe him. But Lindsay believes him, of mm. course, because mm. she loves That's little Tommy. <laughs> so we're back at the Myers house and the little three bullies from earlier are trying to sneak into the house. You know, it's Halloween. They're daring they're, each other. Yeah, daring each other to sneak into this haunted house. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids goes up to the front door and almost opens it. And Loomis scares the kid by saying, get your ass away from there. <laughs> that was very funny but to yes, me. Yeah, yes, that was funny. hilarious. And Loomis was like, like, enjoying it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he enjoyed that a lot. He got his little Halloween, you know, Prank, yeah. yeah. But then the sheriff ends up scaring Loomis. <laughs> right, right. By kind of, you know, coming up behind him. And the sheriff really is like not feeling this story. He's like, you know, we're looking all over. We haven't found anything. Mm -hmm. He is not really believing that Michael is so dangerous or that he's returned here. And I'm like, "Mm, at this point, your daughter's dead. Like, (laughs) right, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, Annie was his daughter. One of the things that I wish they did was a little bit more follow up after the climax of the story to kind of show what it was like to find. The body. The teenagers, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the sequel is like immediate in the timeline. Oh, okay. But they really don't. You hear people talk about it. It's at a hospital. You hear people, a couple of staff be like, yeah, they found these kids. So you'll get a little follow. You get a little follow up there, but no police, you know, follow up. But you get a little story here and there. So, and then Halloween 2, I like it. Okay. And it's worth a watch. Okay. Is Jamie Lee Curtis at all? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's immediately. It's, she can take her to the hospital, and it's okay. immediately. And so, nighttime's a long time in these two movies <laughs> like that, but it's worth a watch. Okay. Okay. Cool. And I think that's free and without ads on something right now. Okay. Yeah. Cool beans. Well, we flip the scene, and we see the other friend, Linda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda is with a boy drinking in a van outside of the house where Annie was babysitting. Cool 70s van. <laughs> cool is <laughs> gratuitous. Yeah, okay. Is it more like a the type of van that Scooby-Doo was in? Kind of. Okay. Kind of. A little yeah. bigger. But okay. it's uh, an Econo van. They called it something. It's a certain type of van that were made then with graphics and styling. And it's some of them, they had beds and people had a bar in there and mm-hmm. it's decked out in there. Okay. So this is what bothers me. I said, you got this cool van. Just have sex in the van. <laughs> <laughs> But here they're plotting to, okay, we're going to go in the house. We've got the bedroom up on the right. I mean, they said they get a little detailed. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, wasting the van. Yes. <laughs> so, Annie, again, is supposed to be babysitting at this house. While they're in the car, they were drinking. Mm-hmm. More immoral behavior. Was the totally getting on your nerves? No. Definitely. I actually did notice. You didn't see her say totally. When they were walking down the street and they first meet Linda, mm-hmm. it was totally. Everything was totally. And then when she's talking, it's all totally. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing. And what's funny is totally is like a Southern California phrase mm-hmm. from like Valley Girls and mm-hmm. all that. But the movie's supposed to take place in Illinois. Right. But it was filmed in Southern California. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was like, so that's a little weird, but. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I absolutely did not notice. Mm-hmm. Linda, to me, I didn't really focus much on her until this point in the story, and right. I didn't pick up on that. But when she goes into the house, it's open. Again, mm-hmm. people just leave the doors mm-hmm. open. But she spends like half a second worrying about where Annie mm-hmm. is. Like, right. and nobody's here. This is a little weird. The whatever. lights are out. Right, right. But then her and the boy start immediately making out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. The music, again, tells us that Michael Myers is nearby. Mm-hmm. And he is in the house right outside the doorway of the room that they're in watching well, they're, them. Yeah, watching yeah. and so this room. was one of the moments where I literally noticed, like, they're just making out. Mm-hmm. They could have just shown Mike. They didn't have to play the music. It ruined it for me a little bit. A little too much foreshadowing. But Lori is back at the other house with the two kids. They've carved a pumpkin. Lori sees the van and she starts feeling sorry for herself that she's a loser with no Mm -hmm. boyfriend. (laughs) And a phone call comes through and it's Linda checking to see where Annie is. Mm -hmm. So Linda calls Lori to see where where Annie is. And Lori is like, well, she should have been back by now. I need to know what time to put Lindsay to bed. Right. Right? So when Linda and her boyfriend realize that the kid is gone, Mm -hmm. they go to a bedroom, I'm presuming the husband and wife, the owner of the house bedroom. It looked like a master Um, bedroom, yeah. Yeah, where they can go to have sex. And Mm. a phone rings in the house. This scene, there's a jack-o'-lantern right next to the bed. Right. Which is so weird. (laughs) Right. I don't know if they brought it up with them. I I would assume. Yeah, but with the parents, this happened with jack-o'-lantern. I don't know. Yes, that's just weird. Yeah. Yeah, but we see the shadow of Michael. Mm Mm-hmm. And they, you know, once they finish the deed, they pull out some cigarettes and the boyfriend goes downstairs to grab a beer. Mm-hmm. The house is super dark. Don't know why they didn't mm-hmm. turn lights on, but whatever. Mm-hmm. While the boyfriend is in the kitchen grabbing a beer, the back door opens and we can hear heavy breathing. Mm-hmm. So we know something's about mm-hmm. to happen. But Mike comes out, kind of startles the boyfriend. Right. He grabs him by the neck and lifts him into the air. With one arm. Yes, mm-hmm. with one arm. And then Mike stabs him in like the abdomen area and it pins him to the, the door, door or the cabinet wherever he is they spend a little time on this scene yeah. showing us the shadow of the young man pinned to mm-hmm. the wall and so mike kind of has this kind of superhuman strength mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. because a growing boy should mm-hmm. be able to be a little more right. able of defending himself but this is probably the most creative kill mm. Of the movie. Right. Kind of, I guess. Yeah. And we did laugh. I remember we were friends. We, we did laugh. Really? When, when he's standing there looking at him, stuck on the wall, <laughs> and he turns his head like a puppy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's what made us laugh. Yeah. So then, next thing, this part is weird. The bedroom door opens, mm-hmm. and it's a tall man with the boyfriend's really 70s glasses. Yes. Those it's glasses were little, huge. Yeah, they and they were like square. And yeah, yeah. They just don't look good unless you're like an 80 year old. Right, woman. right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a tall man wearing a white sheet with the boyfriend's glasses over them. So the girl obviously thinks it's the right. boyfriend. Pretty so, inventive though. Yeah. To get, to get to her without her freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And so she starts to kind of play or tease or whatever mm-hmm. and she doesn't get any response. So right. she's like, oh, so we got to get our gratuitous nudity again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just kind of a annoyed or whatever and so she gets up to call Lori since mm. he's not you know into playing around right now mm. and as soon as the call kind of picks up Michael comes behind her and starts to choke her with the phone cord right mm. as Lori answers and so Lori assumes that it's sex noises yeah. that Linda is making so Lori kind of thinks it's a joke they, yeah because remember okay. they had the phone call earlier that's so, true yeah right. so it could be anybody right no caller ID back then yes that's true <laughs> <laughs> and so she ends up getting strangled and mm. dying Right. 
And so when Laurie calls the house back, there's no answer. Mm -hmm. So by this But Michael does pick up the phone and listen to her. Yes, he does. He's a creeper. He's like, oh, oh yeah, one more. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, by this time, Tommy and Lindsay are asleep. She put Mm -hmm. them down to bed. Mm -hmm. And so we flip the scene to see Dr. Loomis still at the Myers house. And magically, somehow, Mm -hmm. he spots the station wagon down the street. Yeah. He's been at this house for hours. For hours, yeah. <laughs> but he just kind of now suddenly mm-hmm. sees the station mm-hmm. wagon down the street and realizes that it was the one he was just riding in mm-hmm. the previous day. Right. And this is the first actual evidence, like for real, for real evidence mm-hmm. that he's in town. Right. That he's there. So Lori, who is suspicious about like what's going on at this house across mm-hmm. the street, mm-hmm. we hear the music playing again. Mm-hmm. So we know something's about to be up. And this is the point where I realized this movie is a lot slower paced mm-hmm. than Friday the 13th. Yes, yes. And Friday the 13th, there were kills mm-hmm. after kills, kills after right, kills right. throughout yeah. the movie. And like, mm-hmm. I think it was like the kill count was like 10. Right. So basically every few minutes, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was yeah. a new person getting killed. Yeah. We didn't really pop off with Annie getting killed until maybe two thirds mm-hmm. into the movie. So a lot of buildup. Yes, a lot of buildup, a lot of suspense. Yeah. I found it the movie to be like slow, but but deliberate mm. and I felt annoyed by that. Yes, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I get that. But it was all the tone and the music and the, the pacing that where that's what drew me in. That was yeah. like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? Yeah. And, and just it was a, a very suspenseful, mm-hmm. but in a way where it's like mm-hmm. I'm like bloodthirsty. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like who's gonna die next? Like right, right, you know, right. when's it gonna happen? But Lori goes around the house looking for her friends. She mm. finds the back door open because the front door had been locked, I think. I think she so. wasn't able to get in in the front door. So she walks through the kitchen, through the back door. This is the spot where the boyfriend got killed, but his body is not, not there. there. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand why. <laughs> because in Friday the 13th, the bodies were moved. Right. As well. Okay. But we find out. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> that was also weird. <laughs> it just, it's, I don't know who started this, but this is one of them that does it. Yes. Well, the house, of course, is still quiet and dark. Mm. Nobody wants to turn lights on mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. She needs to try. Yes. She thinks that there's like a joke being played on mm-hmm. her. Like, nobody's answering my calls, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. So, she again, walking through the house with no lights on, she makes her way up the stairs to the bedroom where she finds Annie's dead body with mm-hmm. Judith Meyer's headstone right above her head. Right. It's uh, laid out on the bed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Again, I thought this was his mother's mm-hmm. no. <laughs> headstone, but it is not. It is his sister's. Right. And so we're making the connection that he is killing her because she reminds him of the poor babysitting job that Judith did for him right. on Halloween night right. 15 years ago. Yeah, and it's, we're not sure what his motive is, but right. besides being a maniac. And yeah. they, I think that was... Right. And not just a maniac, like super strong and... Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. weird. And Dr. Loomis is suggesting that, that he's, he's like evil. pure evil, yeah. which may suggest some type of demonic... Right. Possession and, or something. You know, heads makes me more think about eating of the animal, mm-hmm. the strength. I also think he disappearing, basically. Okay. Yeah. So I think it had lays towards that a little bit. And mm-hmm. it comes there's some parts later that are really questionable, but yeah. But yeah, he has some weird sense of mor- morality. Mm-hmm. Like the movie goes out of its way to make us know that Annie was a poor babysitter, mm-hmm. and you know, her and Linda were promiscuous, yep. and they drank, and yep. they smoked weed. Yep. Yep. So it's either a deterrent 
a deterrent for you know the young kids who are watching Mm -hmm. or it's for us to justify why right you know he's actually killing them but when she finds Annie's dead body she freaks out of course and as she is backing away she finds the dead body of the boyfriend hanging upside down in what looks like a closet and so it like swings down from the top of the closet right on time (laughs) as she enters the room and it's like what is he hanging from right it's like like one of those chin up bars or something. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But you only see the top half, so yes. his feet have to be all the way up. It's bizarre, but right. it's, it was scary though when he dropped down. Yeah. Because yeah. she leans over and there's a dark closet and then boom. Yes. Yeah. But something similar happened in Friday the 13th. Yeah. When, mm-hmm. what's the girl? What was the girl's name? The main girl who oh, survived? I want to say it's Annie. Annie was the first girl. That, that was the killed. cook. Okay. Right. The uh, cook. Yeah. Lori, now the names are all <laughs> Yes, they are all Yeah. But yeah, she's running. It was the head guy at the camp that fell down, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. The guy who owned it. Yeah. 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 So this is a popular. True. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Because it even happens. Something similar, if I'm remembering correctly, happens in Jurassic Park, maybe. People find bodies. It kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But it has happened in yeah. other horror movies, too. So it's yeah. not just these. Yeah. So, yeah, some of the stuff does not make sense. But anyways, she sees the dead boyfriend's body. Of course, she's freaking out. And then she ends up opening another door. I don't know why she would open a door. But she sees a dead Linda. It doesn't appear to be like a closet. It comes across as a cabinet. Her body looks like it's kind of contorted and shoved in there. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. shoved into there. So she's freaking out. She's crying. We hear heavy breathing. Mm -hmm. And Michael, you know, goes to stab her and he only gets her arm. So he cuts through her shirt and kind of grazes her arm. And she's freaking out. Mm -hmm. She's kind of running. You know, she was caught off guard. Mm -hmm. And she ends up falling over the banister and mm. down the stairs which I was not expecting it probably saved her life probably he's probably going to get another swing in but yeah yeah she wasn't injured enough for me. yeah she was she <laughs> injured enough okay, yeah. a little limp but she wasn't injured enough yeah. yes yeah I got you yeah and so she gets up she actually tries multiple exits it mm. appears that he kind of barricaded yeah. the house yeah and so she comes to this window slash door Mm -hmm. it might have been a french door i can't remember but there's a rake that has been pushed up against Mm -hmm. it so that she can't get out and so finally she kind of desperately breaks the glass and Mm -hmm. moves the rake so she can get out of the house and so (laughs) she's injured Mm -hmm. she's screaming asking for help Mm -hmm. as he's chasing her and does the right thing Mm -hmm. and then she falls of course Mm -hmm. which she always does and she goes to the house that is next door Mm -hmm. and she's you know screaming banging on the door yelling the person hears her turns on the porch light Mm -hmm. kind of looks out of their window and then they turn the porch light Mm -hmm. off and basically reject her and it's like yeah i'm just thinking is that halloween prank kids and whatever i guess i guess but yeah she does not Mm -hmm. get help so Mm -hmm. her kind of last resort is to go back to the house that she was babysitting at so she's going back to little Tommy's house Mm -hmm. and she's trying to get Tommy to open the door Mm -hmm. so I feel like she had a key I would think because she locked them in the house so that they would be secure while she had stepped out Tommy is just you know getting the little crusties Mm -hmm. out of his eyes like "Uh," like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's going on she's freaking out at the Mm -hmm. door he finally gets downstairs and Mm -hmm. opens the door for her as Michael Myers is crossing the street to come Mm -hmm. and get her so the phones aren't working Mm -hmm. and we hear heavy breathing Mm-hmm. She closes the door behind her, obviously. Mm-hmm. She's on the couch. Yeah, she's on the couch. We hear heavy breathing. She sent the kids upstairs. She well, did. She's holding the lock itself in the room or a closet somewhere. Right. And so <laughs> we hear the heavy breathing. 
It appears he's already in the house because there's a window or a door open nearby. Okay, this is the part that never made sense. And this is where I came up. He's supernatural. I've rewatched this part so many times. <laughs> he's in the house, but you never see him. There's The windows are right there. So you never see him come in the house. Mm-hmm. But then anyway, he's in the house. Right. So I'm just thinking he's supernatural and teleported or something. It never made Maybe any. Maybe while she would. Well, no, the children would have seen him. Never made any sense to me except that he's supernatural. I was like, this doesn't make any sense except for that. And it upset me until I just came to the realization he's just evil and he can do stuff. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. But to me, it comes across more like a discontinuity. The Mm -hmm. same as like him being able to drive. Yeah. Yeah. But But that was a major. That's too much of a. And it's scary. So it's a major point and a major scene. And that he's there. And she's got to deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he's in the house. We hear his heavy breathing he reaches over the couch to get ready to stab her, Mm -hmm. but it goes into the couch and Mm -hmm. he misses her. And she grabs a knitting needle. Mm -hmm. Another good girl thing. What high school girl is knitting? Jeez. Okay. (laughs) And they showed them to us earlier. They Mm -hmm. were on the, by the couch earlier in the movie and they made a point of it. Kind of. And I was like, okay. Yeah. But she grabs one of her knitting needles, which is kind of large. And she uses it to stab Mm -hmm. Michael in the neck, Mm -hmm. which I mean, this is probably the first time we're seeing him getting hurt. Yeah. And for whatever reason, people in these movies just think that one little incident is going to kill. Right. The boogie. Yes. Mm-hmm. When we were watching Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. they interacted like four times before. Right. The, like right. the fourth time is when they actually killed the killer. Right. So this is another thing that happens a lot in this yeah. movie so where people think they're victorious. They let their guard down. Yeah. And, more stuff happens. So she kind of chills out a little bit thinking that she got him mm-hmm. in the neck with the needle and that will be, you know, it'll be over with. But the funny part of that is when she stabs him, he drops like a sack of laundry. <laughs> right. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a little sound effect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 But she drops the knife mm-hmm. that barely missed her. And then we see Dr. Loomis who gets approached by the sheriff and tells him that Michael is nearby. He saw something. We saw the car. And then what else did he see? Did he no, there was something else that he saw to let him know which house he was at. That was later, a little later. Is that right? Okay, yeah, okay. okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, okay, I remember. So, yes, he tells the sheriff that Michael is nearby. Lori goes up to get the kids, but the boogeyman is right behind them. They mm-hmm. end up seeing him mm-hmm. come up the stairs. Right. And so the kids go into one room. Where what does little Tommy tell her? She goes, oh, what happened? She goes, I stabbed him. He's, he's dead. And he says, you can't kill the boogeyman. <laughs> yes. And then he's right behind him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so the kids run and hide in one room. They she go, yeah, yeah, she tells them to do that. And she goes to hide in a closet that she secures with like a necktie. Mm. It's one of those like accordion door right. closets. Right. And of course, Michael knows where she went. Mm. He's at the door. He's breaking into it, breaking mm. his way through. He ends up actually breaking the door mm. and turning on the light kind of right. inadvertently. And it's one of those... So pull strings. Pull switch, yeah. yeah pull yeah. strings, yeah. Yeah. And so she ends up grabbing a hanger and kind of like unbending it so that Unraveling it's pointing. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. An and old wire hanger. Yes. Yeah. A wire. No more wire. <laughs> <laughs> and so she ends up stabbing him in the eye. <laughs> and so he drops his knife when she stabs him. This is kind of funny. When he gets hurt, he's like a baby. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, it's like oh, oh, Jesus. Yes. Yeah, I'm hurt. Yes. <laughs> Oh, a needle to the neck. He drops like a sack of laundry. She stabs him in the eye. He like mm-hmm. kind of 
freaks out and he ends up dropping the knife while he's freaking out about his eye. Right. And so she picks up the knife and kind of gives him a quick jab Mm -hmm. and then he falls to the floor Mm -hmm. (laughs) again. And so, of course, she thinks it's over. A little stab to the eye, a little, you know, knife to whatever area it was. They weren't clear if it was his chest. Probably at his upper area because of where the hole was at in the door. Okay, yeah. It was higher up. Right, because she dropped it in the closet. Yeah. Right. Right. And so she gets out of the closet. He appears to be dead, laying mm-hmm. on the floor, right outside the closet. And she kind of steps over him, mm-hmm. drops the knife mm-hmm. pretty near to where he is. Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But to me, you know, he's obviously not dead. Mm-hmm. But Lori meets up with the kids again right outside that bedroom door. And she's like, y'all need to go to the McKenzie house and call the police. Mm-hmm. And they run out and they are screaming mm-hmm. their heads off, right. which is a, an appropriate mm-hmm. response. So they're, right. you know, Tommy and Lindsay run out of the house. And mm-hmm. then this is when Dr. Loomis sees them mm-hmm. and kind of rightfully surmises that mm-hmm. Michael is yeah. in this house yeah. where these children are leaving. I feel like, I don't want to say cool. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that... Michael's not interested in hurting the kids. Yeah, never. Okay, that's another thing that I kind of want to point out. Not necessarily always, but in this movie and Friday the 13th, I feel like they're more comfortable depicting the deaths of male characters than female characters. If they're like bloody and gory. Oh, the actual showing. Right, because like the women usually don't die in a bloody way. Mm -hmm. Or if they do, they don't really show sure. it. I got you. So it's got more it. choking, right. strangling, suffocating, mm-hmm. whereas the men are being stabbed yeah, or like the last boy that ends up getting killed on Friday the 13th had arrows in him and right. was nailed to a door. Right. And, it was gruesome. Right, yeah. right. right. Okay. Or like Kevin Bacon's character. Yeah. 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 So they don't really show like super gruesome right. depictions of there like female still characters. Little morality in yeah. theater yeah. back then. So yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> So after he Loomis sees the kids screaming and running, he goes towards the house that mm-hmm. they were in. And so Michael, of course, wakes up mm-hmm. and we see this creepy depiction of him, his body like raising up suddenly. Now in the theater that played so well because she's sitting there leaning on a door frame and in the background he is. And when he sits up, the theater loses it. We all, <laughs> I remember that distinctly. I'm like, Oh my god! <laughs> it was it, it was like so. That's like a big scene to me, and I, I guess a big scene in theater. But, but you, when him keep coming back to life, that hadn't really happened that much then, mm-hmm. because it happened with an adjacent series, mm-hmm. in the Prey series, and not being able to kill him. So yeah. this is the first one of this, and this guy just keeps, you know, we thought he might be dead this time because the neck in the neck he mm-hmm. might not kill him, and in the eye, no. When she stabbed him, we thought that might be it with mm-hmm. the knife, but. It, and then they've got the music keyed perfectly mm-hmm. on that one. And then he's coming slowly. And yes. she still don't know he's there. No. Awesome. But he goes to attack her and his mask comes off for a brief second. Mm-hmm. We see his eye is messed up. Mm-hmm. He's kind of worse for the wear mm-hmm. <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. But he puts it back on mm-hmm. and continues to attack her. But then Loomis, who mm-hmm. made his way into the house, is climbing up the stairs. And he shoots him multiple times. The 44 Magnum. Okay. The which largest is a large, yeah, large caliber handgun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he ends up falling from a two story balcony onto mm-hmm. the lawn. I guess, you know, from being propelled from the mm-hmm. bullets, he kind of falls off of the mm-hmm. balcony onto the lawn. And Loomis confirmed that it was the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, yeah, that is actually the boogeyman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when Loomis looks on the lawn, which, you know, is the area where Michael fell, Michael's gone. Yep. 
And somehow he survived being stabbed a couple mm-hmm. times, being shot multiple, multiple times, times, maybe five or six, mm-hmm. maybe falling from a two story mm-hmm. window. So he's, you know, built for tough. He's, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm stick with it. He's supernatural. Yeah. But Laurie is crying and upset and we see a few shots of the house and we hear his loud breathing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Michael lives on. And the infamous music starts. On. Yes. Yeah. So that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And we got to remember sequels weren't a big thing then. So we're like, we won't know what happened. What's oh, you all happen? thought it was a cliffhanger. Right. It's just, we will never know what happened. I mean. I didn't realize sequels weren't, weren't a huge. thing. Rocky was a big one that had sequels. Jaws ended up having a lot of sequels mm-hmm. along with, you know, Friday 13th and mm-hmm. Halloween. But at the 78, Star Wars was, I won't say they were sequels. though. That was a trilogy. Mm-hmm. But. That really hadn't that happened that year to around that year also. So that time. So there really was sequels wasn't the only thing they had a couple of black exploitation movies had a couple of part twos that okay. were but there was nothing that really had a mm. you know. That's interesting. I mm. had never really thought about that. Right. So yeah. you're really stuck. You're like, Oh my gosh, what you really have nothing. But nowadays, even before the movie's over, you're like, Okay, what are they gonna do? Yeah. To make it be a sequel. What are they? What cliffhanger are they going to leave us, or what little tidbit they're going to give us that what's going to be the next basis for the next movie or whatever? Right. So, well, that's the end of Halloween, y'all. And mm-hmm. at the end of every review, we ask if a movie or show holds up today and if it's worth a rewatch. Dad, what do you think? Hold up. It's hard to say because it's one of my favorites, but it, of course, it, I mean, it still gives me chills when I watch it, but. I can see where some people wouldn't think it holds up a lot of 70s, you know, throw in, you know, but worth a rewatch, definitely for me. But uh, it's just so much nostalgia. And then you watch it, it's all that they pull everything from a lot of their little jump scares mm-hmm. and cliches and stuff from this. So it's definitely watch it worth it for that. And then it's the production, the music, phenomenal, mm-hmm. just like Friday 13. And the thing about, once you read about it, you know how low budget it was. You know, mm-hmm. Okay, they, they really had to play this up. And what's, I'm watching Friday 13th recently and then watching this, talking about the amount of kills. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, there really wasn't that many. And right. it, but. Wait, it, let's count how many. So, we got the sister in the beginning. Uh-huh. We got the mechanic. Mm-hmm. We got the dog. Okay. We got Annie, Annie Linda, Linda, the boy, boyfriend. boyfend. That's, that's six. That's six, right? Yeah. So it almost meets that, but. It's never quite, you know, it was the near misses is the good parts, you know, are the almost, not mm-hmm. even the near misses. Because she, they have a little time where, you know, she almost gets stabbed in the arm and mm-hmm. falls down the stairs and then in the closet. Yeah. And then the almost like in the laundry room and in the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was a little uh, like he opens up before he gets stuck in the door, he opens up one cabinet and there's nobody in there. Mm-hmm. And you turn around and he's in that cabinet. But yeah. so I think they milk it for that, what it is. Mm-hmm. And you got to also think, and this is a town where people are all around. Mm-hmm. You, you kill a lot of people. Somebody's going to see something. Right. But, but right there, they're in the woods. Ain't nobody going right, to see anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it's easy to hide a body, a dead body out in the woods somewhere. So maybe maybe that. But uh, what do you think? Does it hold up? Okay. I actually think the movie holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. I found it to be surprisingly not problematic mm-hmm. <laughs> 45 years later. <laughs> there weren't any uses of like slurs. Oh, yeah. Th- things along those lines. Mm-hmm. The only kind of iffy thing is that I feel like these movies are really bad about depicting mental illness. Okay. And that includes 
Friday the 13th yeah. with yeah. Jason's mother. But that really, to me, is like the only really problematic thing. Mm-hmm. All the movies have like the respectability politics thing going right. for it, right. right? About like the immoral teenagers. Right. And some movies, it doesn't even have to be like sexual immorality, mm-hmm. just like bad people. We mm-hmm. can justify right. killing them as opposed to like, right. oh, this virtuous person is supposed to survive. So right. I found it to be not really problematic, mm-hmm. but for the most part. So I feel like it holds up. Yeah. Is it worth a rewatch? I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and so the reason why I don't think it's worth a rewatch is I found it to be too slow. Okay. Weren't really enough kills for me. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, some people claim that, that I'm a part of, I think they call it the microwave generation mm-hmm. where it's like instant yeah. gratification. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that we went through like two thirds of the movie without having any real kind of a satisfying slasher right. kills right. Right. It was like too much of a slow buildup for me. Like mm-hmm. oh, the laundry room, he's going to mm-hmm. get her. Right. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, in, you know. That works for me. Yeah. So that the generation gap there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I maybe. feel like maybe once, like a mm. one one time near miss, right? Like, mm. oh, I think it's going to happen and it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But with Annie, it was multiple times mm. where yeah. he almost yeah. could have done it right. and didn't. And right. to me, I was like, okay, that's too many. <laughs> You're killing it for me. I love it. Yes. <laughs> not enough kills just a few mm-hmm. people ended up dying and we didn't actually see all of them right. die but the origin story just wasn't really satisfying to me mm-hmm. i was expecting to find out more about why he was the way he was mm-hmm. and they just kind of explained it off as him being evil yeah. and mad at babysitters or something like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to me that wasn't satisfying yeah. i found that the kills weren't really that inventive on friday the 13th there were some really interesting ones and the explanation of why he was crazy or homicidal or why he wanted to kill horny teenagers or babysitters was really weak and the horny teenager trope comes up a whole bunch mm-hmm. and it makes him come across as like a homicidal pervert like <laughs> well maybe it's seeing his sister in that way that maybe that just struck him the wrong way yeah or some other deeper lying problems yeah the word on the street is there's actually a book that was written that goes into more detail about his like motivations and his rage but it's actually really rare to find like some someone a few years before the movie came out i think oh really actually wrote a book that was more detailed but the movie glazed over a lot of those kind of details but yeah i don't like (laughs) <laughs> how much they focus on the fact that Lori was a loser yeah. <laughs> and didn't get much male attention, mm-hmm. you know, to, to show that stark contrast between her and her kind of immoral friends. I think that's, that was the thing. Yeah. And that she was going to be the one to survive. Right. The heroine. So. Right. Right. But it didn't stop him from targeting her. But yeah. it's like, oh, if you, you're moral and good, you'll survive. And yeah. it's like, oh, you don't deserve to be killed because you're drinking beer. It's right. Like right. Yeah. Like, so I don't care about those. I mean, I don't care for those tropes. But yeah. the driving, I'm really caught up. <laughs> really I'm not you being really able are. to explain yeah. how he is a fabulous driver yeah. after a 15 year stint in a mental institution that he's been in since six years old. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's funny. And the explanation about why he won't die just him being evil, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really buy it. But there were a number of good elements, mm-hmm. things that I actually enjoyed. I had a number of jump scares. I'm actually mm-hmm. a pretty jumpy person. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> in general, it's part of the reason why I don't really watch horror movies mm-hmm. that often. But I did jump in a few parts. I also like that no one really got suspicious until the end of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. people really didn't know what was going on yeah. until, you know, things really right. got, you know, reached a right. fever pitch or, you know, whatever it's called. The acting performances were actually very good. Yeah. I enjoyed those as well. And I typically, I won't say that. That's not necessarily true. But I actually liked having the young children 
in the movie. I yeah. feel like they added an they added interesting little, element. Right. right, right. And they right. did okay. Probably. Right. Yeah, right. And yeah. a little Tommy mm-hmm. and Lindsay, when mm-hmm. they ran screaming from the house, mm-hmm. I was convinced they were to- <laughs> you know, yeah, they did the, I terrified. Think they, I think they did a good job. Yeah, yeah. they did a great job. Because most of the time they try to overdo mm-hmm. a little kid movie. They'll be overly try to be funny or yeah. comical or goopy or something. Yeah. No, this is just kids being trick-or-treat night and being scared of the boogeyman yeah. and you know but did your mom ever go out on halloween and leave your babysitter right that's one thing that's always bothered me i'm like my parents don't go out on halloween no. and it's just that's not a new year's it's about the only time they really would and hmm. you no, know as far as so. as far as a holiday time yeah, yeah yeah so that was it was that was two sets of families that were yeah their parents were going out they even showed them going out and it looked like they were dressed right and then also even when he was six years old they came home. The they parents, looked like right. they were dressed, and they yeah. Said, well, where are you people going? I mean, it would make more sense if you had a costume on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, maybe a costume party. Yeah, <laughs> it is weird that they were leaving the kids at home. I feel mm. like in general, it would be more like your parents take you trick or treating. Yeah, I recently reviewed Hocus Pocus, and the parents went out to like an adult Halloween party. Yeah, in costume mm-hmm. while the kids roam the streets mm-hmm. in right. costumes, right. wreaking havoc. <laughs> that's what we did. Yeah, that's, that's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when I was little, and I was always somebody older to take us. Mm-hmm. My mom maybe take one, maybe once, mm-hmm. but it was always somebody older. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. I hadn't really mm-hmm. thought about that, mm-hmm. but yeah, I found that the stalking element combined with the intense music built up some good suspense, suspense. and anxiety. I was trying to put those mm-hmm. words together. <laughs> However, I began to find both the music and Michael Myers popping up everywhere annoying, <laughs> <laughs> especially since he didn't start killing people until yeah. like the last half hour of the yeah. movie. So he would literally pop up for like the 15th time and I'd be like, <laughs> you're not going to kill anybody. Just get out of here. <laughs> Y'all gotta have it. Let it build. Let it build. <laughs> but overall, the movie was entertaining mm-hmm. and suspenseful, but I don't really care for it. I recognize that it's iconic mm-hmm. and it's one of your faves and, mm-hmm. you know, it's really influential in your childhood. But personally, I just don't get it. It's mm-hmm. like 45 years later, it's one of those things that's kind of lost on me and that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I actually enjoy Friday the 13th way more Did you? Yeah. and really appreciated the frequent kills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And the music in there was also very good. Wow. I would say the music for this movie is more iconic right. than for Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. But the way that they use the music a was different. a little different. Right. Yes. It, that um, whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But they're both iconic. Mm-hmm. And Halloween was kind of like first of its kind. Mm-hmm. Really set yeah. a precedent for other horror movies. Exactly. So I can definitely recognize it right. for that. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about the ratings. Mm. The critics over at Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 96%. Right. And the audience gave it an 89%. How mm-hmm. would you rate it? It's up in there with that 90-something, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. For me, I would give it like a 68 <laughs> yeah. or a 70. Yeah. Like, it was entertaining. Like yeah. I said, obviously iconic, but it was just too slow. Too many unanswered mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. The driving thing. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't make Stuck sense. <laughs> yes. And, it, and uh, some of it was actually a little confusing for me. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Now, the, also, it's John Carpenter, the filmmaker. This was in his first, first movie. But it's his first one that really got some kind of acclaim, mm-hmm. and he's, he went on to do some some stuff that was just everybody uses the music, yeah, stuff like that, and the the tropes of the slasher things. And but he didn't just do he really. I'm trying to. He did another. He did horror movies, but never like another slasher movie. So he did like sci-fi kind of horror kind of stuff. But you can easy to tell a John Carpenter movie when you turn it on. The thing. Big Trouble in Little China, which is a strange action 
comedy thing that he did. He did something about Mars with Ice Cube. It was very interesting. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. I liked it, but I don't think it didn't do well. And a lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed it. it uh, the like, Fog? The Fog is probably one of the scariest movies. Really? It really scared me also. <laughs> and that's straight. It's more of a ghost story, but it's not a slash movie, but it's definitely scary. Okay. Definitely. The original, they remade that too, but the original is, is pretty scary, but not enough. Probably wouldn't be enough kills for you, but still worth a watch. Okay. There's also night. something called Escape from New York. Classic. That is like a cult classic action thriller. Who's the man? I see his face. I don't recognize him. What's his name? Mike on his name? Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell. Okay. You okay. Had, you had it right. <laughs> Kurt Russell. And Donald Pleasance is in that one. Okay. So Kurt Russell is wearing an eye patch. Right. Wasn't he also wearing an eye patch in a different movie where he took a family? Yeah. Uh, Captain on a Ron. Boat? Okay. Captain Ron. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. It's like, yes. what? Why yes. is he wearing an eye patch Kurt, here, too? And he was in a few. John Carpenter films also. Okay. So he, he tend to use the, uh, but Escape in New York, you've had to see part of that at some I'm point sure. in your life. It doesn't ring any bells. It's action, cult classic, very, I say, in a dorm, in an army barracks, a very money to get a bunch of people around. Hey, you, okay. love, you know, that's that type of movie. Okay. He but, also did Christine, which I'm, I haven't seen, but I've right. read about with the car. Right. It's, that was good. It could have been better, but his, like I said, all those movies have a look to them. And yeah. that, Let me see. They, Elvis? Elvis, I don't even know. From 1979. Yeah. Movie called Someone's Watching Me. Assault on Precinct 13. That's Dark Star. Creepy. Dark Star is like his first thing. I finally mm-hmm. saw that maybe two, three years ago. Like independent. You think this was low, but this one was. <laughs> Dark Star is what they say Alien is, the original Alien is based on. Oh. But it's really so low, but it's really weird. It's really <laughs> weird. You'd have a hard time watching that. Something here called Starman. Starman. Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness was creepy. They Live. They Live was pretty funny. Did I say someone's watching me? Yeah. Okay. What year was that? Someone's watching me was 78. Same year as Halloween. I know I've probably seen it. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Is that Chevy Chase? Yeah, that was a strange little thing for him. They tried to make it kind of scary, but Chevy Chase was bad. Goofball, huh? Yeah, bad pick for the role. Yeah. Something called Body Bags, uh, In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, that was Escape from L.A., which it looks sequel. like a sequel. That was absolute garbage. Vampires in 98, Ghost of Mars. Good. Ghost of Mars, that's the one with Ice Cube. It's, okay. <laughs> that's like a, a fun, you like, yeah, it's it's fun. Okay. Masters of Horror. I think that was a Cigarette Burns. Never heard of that. Which is only 59 minutes. It must be some kind of short story. And then in 2010, something called The Ward. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I think he's. Is he alive? I believe so. He is. He's 75. Yeah. I believe a lot of people have used him for music also or production. Okay. Cool. I'll have to check out that Escape from New York. Yeah. Yeah. And Halloween 2 and The Fog are definitely. Scary movie nights to, and I think The Fog is like less Didn't, than an hour. Wasn't it remade more recently? Yes, The Fog, okay. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, y'all. Well, that's all, Home Slices. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for listening to the Halloween episode where we reviewed Halloween mm-hmm. featuring my dad. Share your thoughts with us on social media, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Did you rewatch the movie recently? Does it still hold up for you? We want to hear from you. I want to say a super special thanks to my dad for being here today to share his thoughts on one of his favorite movies. Say bye, Dad. Bye, everybody. Thanks for having me. Join us next week when we review the 1997 Disney hit Hercules. You don't want to miss it. Peace out.
Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices. Peace out.